everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey. On to this week's show. Hi, everyone. Today we have the amazing Katie Chen Mazzara. She is a certified financial coach who helps creative types make more money, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom so that they can create the life they truly want to live. And we encourage you to listen until the very end because Katie has offered an exclusive bonus educational resource to all of our Money Made Easy listeners. Let's welcome Katie to the show. Hi, Katie. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. So why don't you start off by giving everyone a brief background of who you are and how you got into the financial realm? Like you said, um, I am a certified financial coach. I was a TV producer for uh, 15 years before I actually made the transition into financial coaching. And so- Why don't- I hate to stop you, but why don't you go ahead and tell us who you were a TV producer, what show you were a TV producer on, because that's always fun for people that don't know. Well, the most popular one that most people recognize is The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I was a producer on that <laughs> show for five years, so about 10 or 12 seasons of that show. Oh, wow. Yes. That's so fun. You don't realize how many seasons go into one year <laughs> until you yeah. see that. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. Just thought that would be fun fun info. How do you transition from the bachelor bachelorette to, (laughs) did you go, did you do other shows or did you go straight into certified financial planning? No, I did a whole bunch of other shows. I also worked on Real Housewives, on Love and Hip Hop, um, a bunch of like reality type of shows. Uh-huh. And, um, and then I was a director of development at a, a digital channel called Austinus TV, which was owned by DreamWorks for a while. And, um, and then another digital studio here in Los Angeles. And um, at a certain point, I was just like, you know what, I'm, I can see myself continuing for a little while as a freelance TV producer, but I've always wanted to have my own business. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to school to get my uh, personal financial planning degree from UC Berkeley. And then um, I also got into coaching because I really believe in the holistic look at your money. Like I really believe in looking at it from a spiritual perspective, a very practical perspective, as well as um, a way to look at, you know, what our parents taught us, whether they taught it to us consciously or unconsciously. Oh, I love that. That is so, I think that's so important. And that's what we love to hear on the show. So this could be a good time. If you don't mind sharing, how did you grow up? How, what was, what was it like at your house growing up? Did y'all talk about money? You never said a word about money. Did they get, you know, did you get paid for chores? You didn't a little background on your, that growing up history would be great too. Yeah. So my money story is that, well, my dad, he, loves to say that um, I should create a TV show around this because and call it my cheap dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. He was, uh, he was, he's always very tight with his money. Um, you know, a, a $10 meal is like 
pretty expensive in his book. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, all, he chased us around the house, like turning off lights as soon as we would, you know, barely be yeah. out of the room, he would be like <laughs> there to turn off the lights, you know? So um, that's how he was. And then my mother was completely the opposite. She was a spender. She, <laughs> you know, she loves to go to Neiman Marcus and have designer clothes. And she's got a, an amazing, amazing handbag um, collection. Nice. Mostly Chanel's and Prada's and <laughs> Gucci's and those kinds of things. And um and she, she also had a very abundant mindset of like things, you know, things will come around and we'll make more money and everything will be fine. And of course she can be like that because she actually was a stay at home mom. She wasn't, she didn't actually work. And so my dad also says I would be a much richer man if I hadn't married your mother. <laughs> <laughs> but they were kind of a good balance. It sounds like. Um, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> yes, in terms of yin and yang, right? But in terms yes. of like, you know, how they viewed money, it was very, very different. And so they, there were lots of arguments about around money, you know, mm. and oh, but yeah. my money story really isn't even about them as much as it is about like my grandmother, you know, my grand, mm. the reason my dad was actually very cheap was because of the way he was raised around my grandmother. And she was even more tight with her money, but she had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. She was, she was one of the, um, she was a huge real estate holder in Taiwan and in Taiwan, they, it's like Manhattan. So everything's like very close together. So if you had real estate, you were pretty well off actually. Mm -hmm. And she was doing this all on her own because my dad's father had passed away when he was young. And so she was like, you know, this really entrepreneurial woman, woman back in the, yeah. you know, twenties, thirties, I don't know, forties, I, you know, right. don't know exactly wow. when. Yeah. And, um, however, like being by herself and having to work very hard for her money, she was also very tight with her money. Mm -hmm. She always told us that like, even when I'm dead, no one's getting my money. When I'm dead, I'm going to like, be buried with my money, that kind of stuff. And one day she came to visit us and she stayed in the guest room and she told us like all of a sudden one day she was like, I, I, you know, I was, I put some money underneath the mattress. I don't know where it went. Um, everybody needs to help me find it. Cause I think somebody stole my money. So we spent all day long looking for her money and it never showed up. I still don't know to this day, like what happens at all to that money. And, you know, but in, inside I like got this feeling of like, I don't want to be like that. I don't, you know, like money shouldn't be so important. I really, um, you know, I never want to be like that with money at all. Right. Right. And although it's, a good thing to not put so much and so much heavy importance on money. Mm -hmm. However, then it also created this idea for me that I'm not able to make money or, you know, or at least if money comes in, I'm going to be spending it out as fast as it comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I was a college student um, at New York university and you know, it's a very expensive city. 
And yet I was taking cabs everywhere. <laughs> I didn't have the money to take cabs. <laughs> like what college student is taking cabs everywhere, <laughs> right? Most of us <laughs> were walking or taking the subway. Mm -hmm. And, but that was just the mentality I had. I was like, you know what? I don't care about money. And so as much as I have it, I'm going to be spending it out until I flipped that story and really figured out what, um, what I really wanted to do with my money before um, then I could actually make the kind of money I really wanted to make. Well, that is super interesting. Wow, that is a lot of different background stories and different dynamics. Yeah. Yes. So then why don't you tell us how did you transition? When did you decide, okay, I'm not holding on to my money and I want to? Uh, and I want to help others, you know, how did you make that transition from television producer to certified? What made you, was there like a day? Was it a just years of thinking about it? Or what was the thing that made you decide to go into that? Well, the thing that really changed how I thought about money was actually going into the entertainment industry. So I was a journalist before that. And as a journalist, you really work at a company, you get a paycheck every two weeks. It's very nine. It's not nine to five, but it actually the paycheck system was in that way. And so once I started in the entertainment industry, everything was very freelance, right? Like we would work on a show for, um, six months and then you'd be off, you know, um, you know, bachelor was like the longest I had worked on a show in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And that's just because that show lasts forever. Right. And then they <laughs> continue. Exactly. It's like, you know, they shoot bachelorette in the spring and then they shoot bachelor in the fall and then, you know, it keeps coming back around. And then during the summer they actually run shows too. Mm -hmm. So that was like the only show really that was a long-term gig. But even though it's a long-term gig, there weren't any options in terms of giving you a 401k for your retirement or thinking about any of that kind of stuff, right? Or even health insurance in the beginning. Wow. And so, yeah. So once I started in the entertainment industry, I was like, well, I got to figure out what to do. I, I mean, you know, if I don't work for six months, like, I don't get to pay my rents, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to do this. So I started reading. I started reading a bunch of different books and um, found myself like loving it. I love it so much that like I was reading stock prospectuses, which most investment advisors would say they, they don't even read that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I got really passionate about it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I, this is the path I think I wanna take in. Um, and then also, um, you know, I've had three women in my life that stayed in abusive relationships because of money. They, um, you know, they never felt like they could get out of their relationships. They had small children to take care of. And so one of my missions is to actually empower people to make decisions in spite of money, right? Mm -hmm. To try to make decisions not based on money. Uh, so if you're set up in a certain way, then you have a lot of choices and freedom to do the things that you really want to do rather than stay in a place, whether it is an abusive relationship or even if it's just a, a job that you can't stand, right? That you're not passionate about and you don't get excited to get up for work every day. Mm -hmm. Then you have that choice as well to move on from there. Wow. Wow. That's 
very um, moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when you decided and start and decided to take the course and just go down this whole road, huh? So how long have it, has it been since you were, became a certified financial planner and coach? Uh, Well, I've been doing it on and off for five years, but officially I set up my website two years ago to go full time. You know, once, uh, once I started getting enough clients, I stopped taking uh, TV jobs. Okay. Wow. So that's uh, super important too, that you, it's not like you, you were learning about it. And so you knew not to just quit your, quit your job as a producer and go just, jump into this, you gave it a little time to do as a side gig and built up your reserve and built up your client list. So important. Yes. <laughs> we yes. don't ever want to give the advice that, oh, follow your passion. <laughs> no, pay your rent. <laughs> <laughs> has, it has to be paid, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, yes, if you can figure out a way to follow, to do both, pay your rent and follow your passion, then we're all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to see you at the Rising Tide Society or um, Rising Tide Together a big meeting in February in Los Angeles where financial um, money was all the discussion that night. And you did an amazing thing with one of the audience members where you talked about blocks, money blocks, and you identified her money blocks. So we, y'all, you don't even know guys, y'all are in for such a treat. Angelica has agreed to be the... (laughs) The guinea pig here. <laughs> uh, and so Katie's going to ask Angelica the questions and walk her to and find out, you know, help her break through any money blocks. So I'm so excited. Y'all are, y'all are in for a real treat here. So I'm going to let y'all take it away. <laughs> okay. So Angelica, like, tell me a little bit about how you grew up and um, what did your parents do and how did you see money? Um. So it was definitely very much of a scarcity mindset of, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, You have to, you know, save all of it, have a lot of, you know, you never know when there's going to be a rainy day. Like you have to have, you know, security and backup and, um, and don't just like go out and spend, you know, uh, like you can't just like be impulsive with your, with your money decisions. You have to really think about them. Are they good investments? You know, all that kind of just very like money is, is there, but you can't reach it and you can't spend it and be careful with it. (laughs) What did your parents do? My mom is the director of EOP of the Student Resource Center at CSUN. Um, So she helps students, she advises students on what classes to take. um, And she loved it because she went to CSUN and had a lot of opportunity there. So she wanted to give the same opportunity to those students um, because she was the first of her family to go to college and to graduate. So she felt really moved in that. And she fully loves her job um, and is extremely good at it. Um, And then my dad um, just retired a couple of years ago as a CHP officer. Yeah. And so when you grew up, did it feel like you were pretty middle class or, you know, how did you grow up? Yeah, um, definitely middle. I mean, I would say in the middle class, but I did feel like like we were always taken care of. It was never really a conversation um, of like, oh, you know, 
like we're not going to have food on the table. Um, and that also came from a lot of the struggle that my mom had to deal with and my dad had to deal with growing up. They didn't really have a lot of money. Um, and so they, it was like their mission to make sure that we were taken care of growing up. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of their upbringing actually translated into how they raised you, right? Oh, and, yeah. Um, did you go to public school, private school? Public school. Public school. Mm -hmm. And um, did it feel like you, you and your peers, your other, the other students and your friends were kind of at the same level? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it never really, I mean, our school was very... I don't know, very like cookie cutter. Like, I don't know. It was just, um, education was, we had like a, all around the same amount of, I guess, students to the classroom as like, we had the, the right amount of resources for every student, I guess. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. That was a hard question. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I, you know, I'm, and then let me just put a caveat out there is that like, okay. you know, when we do this work, it's not about blaming our parents, right? Mm -hmm. Because every parent does of the best course. job they can do with the tools they have, right? And so it's more about like, now that we're adults, it's important for us to look at um, the things that we believed in in childhood and say, are these still the same beliefs that I want to carry with me? Or mm -hmm. is it time to release them, give it back to them with love, yes. right? And then form our own beliefs and get to choose how mm -hmm. we want to move forward. Otherwise, you get stuck, right? You get stuck in sort of that same childhood uh, modality. And then mm -hmm. also that you, you know, in the future, um, you're just repeating the same patterns over and over again, right? Because your parents have that same pattern of, oh, well, you know, they came from not a lot. So then they were, you know, said the same things basically to you as probably what they heard from their parents. Mm -hmm. right? And then now, even though you didn't grow up in that same way, and you did feel like we had enough, but you still didn't understand where that enoughness came from because of their fears, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's so important that now you get to release the, their fears, mm -hmm. right? And set that aside and say, okay, well, they have their fears because of how they grew up. I don't need to have the same type of fears mm -hmm. as them, right? And so now it's time for you to, to set that free. And how you do that is really, um, one, to take a look at what you do have in your life, right? And have clarity about what is coming in for you and, um, and then the things that are going out for you, right? Mm -hmm. Expenses and that kind of thing. You know, so to have like a, a really clear picture of what that looks like. And then the second thing is to actually um, work on what is it that you truly want to achieve, right? And where do you want to go? And what does money really look like for you in terms of your, your core values, you know? Um, because all of us have different core values of what we need and want, yeah. right? And so, like, for me, one of my biggest core values is freedom, Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to choose the things that actually make me feel more free, you know, versus someone else who may want security, right? Security may be their core value. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to make choices in their lives that are going to lead to that sense of security. 
-hmm. as well, you know? Um, and so in terms of where you saw it, like, can you think of a moment in your childhood where you actually saw your parents, you know, have that mentality of like, no, we've got to save, we got to, you know, like buckle down and, and not spend. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, pretty much anytime we would go to the grocery store or, you know, go to a toy store and we were very limited on like what we could get or um, I, there is this one moment and I'm not proud of it, <laughs> um, but I was very young. I was probably like four and I really wanted this like, I don't know, like pen with feathers on it and it had like some cool colors and it was in the checkout line as we we're coming out of Toys R Us. And I had a full meltdown because my mom wouldn't buy it for me. It was like maybe $2. And I was like, I mean, I probably didn't understand that at the time, but you know, I, I was having a temper tantrum. Like I was not the nicest child. Like <laughs> my mom probably did not like me, <laughs> but um, I love it. I can just, I, I just want to picture little Angelica. I want a photo of this episode. I know. I'll add it in. But yeah. And I had so an cute. afro because I had very curly hair. I was just like this, like, ravenous little child who was just like give me this pen and I was just <laughs> crying um and so the guy actually behind us in the checkout line was like I would love to buy the pen for you um and like told the told my mom like I would love to buy your daughter this pen <laughs> because like just shut her up please <laughs> but um and and she wouldn't let I, she was and like, she no. was like, no, that's not the freaking point. Yeah. yeah no, that's yeah. not the point. Good, so Good for your mom on that one, I will say, because it's not about that. Um, <laughs> but, but it's interesting because if she had let him buy it for mm -hmm. you, you would actually believe in, a, in, in abundance more. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. if you really take a look at that moment, that moment in time is pretty pivotal for you, mm -hmm. actually. And, um, and not, not, this is again, not to say that there was any wrong or right moment in that. However, it's just shaped how you see things, yes. right? Because if that guy had bought it for you as a child, you would have automatically thought, oh, wow, money is kind of magical, right? Like mm -hmm. people can come into your life and offer you to get you what you want. Yeah. And then that sense of abundance and manifesting would be a lot stronger in you mm -hmm. in this day and age, right? Oh, For, wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that. I thought I'm like on the mom's side and going, <laughs> yeah, good thing that good she lesson. taught me. <laughs> yeah, good lesson. But no, I, I, that's a totally different way to look at that. And yeah. that is pretty powerful. That could have been a magical moment. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it like that. But that's... That's I, as a parent of, you know, I have four kids. And so as a parent, I have to say that would be a tough, I mean, I feel like I kind of always had an abundance mindset, but I mean, kids always want everything, everything, everything. And so I do think it's an important lesson to teach your kids. You, you don't get everything you want. Mm -hmm. And there's certain times and things that you do get to pick out something special. And there's certain mm -hmm. times you don't. So I don't know. I think even, even having an abundance mindset, I don't know. I think I, unless it unless I just felt so sorry for him <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, thank you. And that's kind, you know, and so because you're being so kind, I want, I want my child to this lesson of kindness. Um, 
Uh, but boy, that's a tough one for a parent. I think that's mm -hmm. so many layers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Katie. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's not, and again, this is not a judgment call, right? Because right. there's I, no I, right or wrong answer. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, I, I don't see it as like, oh, you know, her, your mom saying that, you know, no, you can't have it and he can't buy it for you as the wrong thing as well. I'm just right. telling you that that's where it comes from. If you're saying now, right now in this day and age, as yeah. you know, a grown up, that I do have a hard time like with abundance, right? Mm -hmm. And I do have a hard time with uh, with more seeing kind of what's the scarcity of things yeah. rather than the abundance, you know? So the, the best thing now is for you to start to see what abundance is in your life, mm -hmm. you know? So I want you to take actually time, like even this month, right? And just observe every time you get abundance in your life to actually make a note of it, write it down in a notebook mm -hmm. or put it into the notes section of your phone. And then abundance does not mean you're getting paid. Okay. It can also mean like you pull up to a parking spot and the meter is already filled. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, your friend decides to buy you a you know cup of coffee, right? Because she's like, Oh, you know, I, 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 I got a raise today. Let, let's yeah. celebrate. I mean, buy you, you know, buy you dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're just in the line at the grocery store and they're like, oh, you know, for the, for waiting for so long, we're going to give you a free muffin. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You know, those kinds of things. Right. And the more that you're paying attention to them, the more your mind's going to get used to seeing See yeah, mm -hmm. seeing the abundance in your life. And then of course, you know, the idea of gratitude is also very yeah. important, right? It's like to sit down every day to write down the things that, you know, some different things each day of what you are grateful for that's in your life. And a lot of times people write the same things, right? Like, I'm grateful my family's healthy. I'm grateful for, you know, the, for those kinds of things. But I want you to find like tiny little things, right? I'm grateful a butterfly just flew back by my window. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm grateful that um, it, it's, you know, this room feels so peaceful and quiet, you know, mm -hmm. those kinds of things, because the more that you're able to focus in on like tiny details, right, the more there's the magic in all of it. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. And I mean, I, I think, I think it's important for people to see that and hear that because, I growing up, I mean, you know, our parents are our authority and we just do whatever they say. And, and it's important to like, find what you believe is right. And, you know, like you said, there's no right or wrong, but like, you need to create that own narrative for yourself to work best for who you are and who you want to be in your professional life. And I mean, I feel like that scarcity mindset really hindered me when wanting to start a business because you know, security was everything. And so like originally I wanted to go in the TV industry and then I was like, well, that's not secure income. Like, so then let me get my master's and figure it out. And then, you know, and then I ended up starting my own business and it was just tough though. Like even throughout those first couple of years, I was like, I don't know how I can do this. Like you work for one month and you get a great income, but then you have to let it last for three months. And so, I mean, it's definitely a struggle and I was, I think I was a good guinea pig because it's definitely <laughs> something I'm working on. And I think like, like you mentioned in the beginning, the spirituality of, of money is such an important thing to really focus on because 
that's really what will drive your action. Um, and so I love that you focus on that with your clients and, um, with, you know, your business. It's important. Yeah. I see, I see it all combining into one, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't see myself as like way on the, you know, one side of spirituality that I don't see the groundedness and the practicality because money to me is still a very earthly thing that we can't Mm -hmm. take away with us. And so in order to actually make money, it's so important to do the work. And, you know, and that means also like having a savings and having, you know, paying off your debts and all of those really practical sound advice Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And then on the other hand, but if you are only in the energy of paying off your debts, paying off your debts, paying off your debts, right. But not paying attention to how those debts kind of got there in the first place, you're going to start to repeat the pattern in a year from now, I guarantee you, you're going to start to have more debts again. You know, but if you're actually paying attention to the spirituality of it, where it came from, what those blocks may have been, mm-hmm. and you're able to release them and move forward and apply different methods towards how you deal with money and how you think about money, then that debt will not come back. It'll actually stay gone. That's amazing. Do you have a few? I love all the spirituality talk and the abundance and scarcity talk, but do you have a few actual practical tips for somebody that is trying to get out of debt? Because I know that's such an issue for so many. And uh, that's definitely something our listeners are always looking for. And I think it's always helpful to hear it from different perspectives. So do you have a few tips you could share with us? Yes. So the first thing is clarity, right? It's so important that you're clear about what is coming in, what's going out. And a lot of times people say to put together budgets, right? But I don't really adhere to that. I don't believe in budgets, mainly because budgets to me feels like it's a diet that you kind of try to do, you know, and it's, it's around for a while, but then after a month or two, you're kind of like, okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> you know, and- I, I have a money confession to make when I was married uh, and my ex would want to talk about budgets. I used to say, I don't like the B word. Let's not do that. <laughs> I like it. So, <laughs> one, one of the reasons why we've started this podcast pretty much. <laughs> Yes. yes. Yeah. I don't believe in that either. So I, what I yeah, what Yay. I believe in is though, it is important that you know, though, because our yes. minds like clarity, right? Like um, the more unknown something is, the more your mind is going to worry about it. So actually putting it down on paper and tracking it from a few months, you know, is really important. So then you can start to see where those patterns are in in that um scenario and then also what i find to be really helpful is to also track down a little bit of kind of your emotions around your spending you know to say just like a food diary right it's like when you're spending how did you feel during that time you know especially on the items that are not necessary purchases like were you feeling a little anxious you know were you feeling a little like lonely you know during that time and then that's why you went on to amazon and bought that new thing (laughs) so maybe so before, during, and after, because they probably mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> you might be super excited and into it while you're spending it, and then later comes the remorse. 
Sure, absolutely. You know, um, but it's more important to me that it's the beginning, like before you、mm-hmm. make that purchase. You know, rather、okay. than afterwards. But let it to you. Yes,、okay. yes, because afterwards is an interesting thing because we can get a false high from right. That's right. Kind of during it, you're you're probably、right. in that false high. Of, right. Yes. What am I gonna buy? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's then, what I mean. There's almost like three phases、yes. of it because it's before what led you to it, and then the in the moment. And then the after, and then the after to me is just like you feel guilty and you don't feel good about it if it wasn't something that was in your core values.、Mm. If you actually start spending towards your core values, you're going to 100% not regret it. You're not even going to think about it because think about all the times that you went on that amazing vacation, right? And how many times afterwards were you like, oh my gosh, I should never have spent that money on that vacation. Probably never, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because there were things about that vacation that was in your core values, and we all know that experiences actually create more happiness, right, rather than things.、Mm-hmm. And so, spending money on certain things that are in your core values—that's you're never going to regret those. You know, and it's actually important to do. It's really, really important to spend money、um, and not just hold on to it too tightly. Um, and then the other part about practicality in terms of paying off your debts is once you actually have an idea of what things look like, right? I then I recommend you do the snowball effect, right? The snowball effect is basically,、uh, for those of you who don't know, it's taking the smallest payment, right? Like put down all, list out all of your credit cards, and the and put the balance. And put the interest rate and put the、uh, actual minimum payment into these three columns, right? And then when you take the smallest payment and you pay that off first, then the next one you're going to actually have more money to pay that one. And by the time you're finished with all, you know, you got down to the highest balance card, you have the most money to pay that card. And then also the sense of accomplishment, right? Like that keeps right going. Because if you, I'm we're familiar with the snowball effect and the avalanche effect, which to me, I don't know. You're saving more, or your money's going farther if you do the avalanche effect. But is the is the payoff from getting、um, marking that one off the list, marking that one off the list? Is that why the snowball effect is? Is better you feel because it's the it's the it, mind thing the mindset.、Yes. It works for most people, right? Like、okay. there are some people I I totally see like the Dave Ramsey people, right? They're they're about they're all about like move back in with your parents so you have the most money to pay off your debts. <laughs> <laughs> But I think、yeah. he's snowball versus avalanche, which to me I think if I was paying off debt, I think I would. I would have to do avalanche just because I would be seeing. I would the interest rate. I know that that is like、uh, so. I'd pick the one because the avalanche is where you pick the one with the highest interest rate and pay that one off first, right? Right. Well, yes. And so that's the other part. It's like you know, you if two cards have approximately the same interest rate, I would go with the one that's higher for sure. I mean, approximately the same balance. Then you want to go with the higher interest rate. Okay.、Yeah. Okay.、Um, 
you know, the, the interest rate is an interesting one for sure. And what I usually recommend to people is to try to find a way to get it out of, you know, the higher interest rate cards, right? Whether or not that is rolling it into another 0% card or, you know, you're consolidating it into a lower interest rate loan or a mm -hmm. home equity loan, that kind of stuff. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. And then, so then you're also, um, you know, a lot of people make the mistake of paying a bunch on each card, but that's just going to take you much longer to actually pay off your car credit cards. You know, when you're spreading yourself too thin like that, it's never a great idea, you know, whether in money or in life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's actually better to just pay the minimum on several of those cards and then and put as much money as you can on the smallest balance to me. And then also in terms of that, it's like, look at what's left over, right? Like the, the important thing is to put all of your credit card payments on automatic because that's going to help your credit score because the credit score doesn't matter. They don't care that much about how much you're putting paying. They really care if you're paying it on time. Okay. The on time thing is 35% of your credit score. And so, you know, you put it on auto pay the minimum. And then at the end of each month, when you have money left over, then you use that to pay the, that balance. Right. Mm -hmm. And that way each month you're actually able to have an additional amount to act to pay towards it. Right. Okay. And don't keep charging, <laughs> quit charging yes. immediately. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so what are some of the biggest money blocks that you see and that you um, help people work past? Um, anything, any interesting stories that you want to share with our listeners? Well, the one of the, I mean, the, the biggest one is actually because I work with a lot of creative people, right? I work with people who are in the entertainment industry, work with artists and musicians mostly. And, um, and the one that I hear over and over again is actually this, this idea that you can't really make money doing that, right? And Angelica, you even said that, like, you know, I wanted to get into TV, but I was like, no, that seems ridiculous, a ridiculous way to make money. <laughs> and where did that really come from? Because it's not in true reality, mm -hmm. right? There are lots of people in the entertainment industry making a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? So that, that comes from somewhere where your parents basically didn't value that as much, mm -hmm. right? And they really thought that you being an artist or going into the entertainment industry, you needed a backup in some way. Mm -hmm. And so it's important really to, um, to, to know where that comes from. And then the most, I, I think one of the, you know, everyone's stories are unique and I, I value every single person who, you know, gives me the honor of actually telling me their story. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I, thought of though is you know there was a woman I worked with whose father actually passed away at work had a heart attack at work you know so for her it was really hard for her to actually see um like she didn't want to make money because making money meant for her working hard and then working hard meant you know dying essentially yeah. 
you know, it was that dramatic for her. It was that painful. Mm -hmm. And so that was the biggest block for her in terms of actually being able to make money for herself. And then until we really unraveled it and, and I was able to help her um, understand that it's not her story, right? It doesn't have to be her story. And which is very interesting because she is now a health coach trainer. She's a physical trainer. So, Amazing. you know, it's like, um, and there's a reason for that, right? Because yeah. of what she saw too, yeah. you know? So, uh, that, that was, that one was really, um, intense because, you know, it was actually death, yeah. right. Yeah. That she saw. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I saw recently that you did an interview with Dr. Michelle Hanna and you have it available, um, uh, through Instagram, through your links on Instagram for richer or for racism, racism and riots. Uh, can you share a little bit about what that interview was about? Because obviously that's a very timely subject right now. Yeah. So Dr. Michelle Hanna had written a book called The Self Vows, um, The Seven Vows That Can Change Your Life. And she, we were already scheduled to talk uh, about her book and her book launch but because of everything that has gone on right and you know right when we were talking um it was the weekend right after george floyd was killed and so it was a conversation i definitely needed to have but it was also tied into her ideas of um relationships right relationship with yourself race relationships and relationships with authority. Um, and so we, we had a very uh, in-depth conversation, very emotional conversation around those ideas, you know. And so, and then the other part about it is, you know, what she wanted to talk to me about was the idea for richer for poorer, because her, her ideas of self vows, like taking the traditional wedding vows and really turning it inward on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, you know, one of them is, of course, for, for richer, for poorer, right? And that idea, uh, to me, is really profound because for a long time, um, the people in power, uh, it's based off of money as well, mm -hmm. right? The more money you make, the more in power you have, the more power you have, the more that you can influence what's going on in society and the world, mm -hmm. And it's the same thing as even just talking about uh, police brutality, right? Like how many mayors and cities give like 50%, 60% of their budgets, their city budgets towards the police departments, mm -hmm. right? And then when you're looking at that from that perspective, it's also about like, where are your priorities? What are you doing to... Um, put your money towards those priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And we look at that in our, in our own lives, right? It's important to look at that when you're actually putting money down on a spreadsheet and saying, how much was I spending? Um, what, what was a value to me, right? And so these were all the conversations that we were having around race, around what was, what's been going on with the protests and the riots and violence. Well, and I do think that, um, race can even have a, a very strong effect on the way that we're raised, the values that we're raised with, like you said, 
spending toward your core values. Um, and I mean, it, the opportunities that we get based on our race, and it's also tied together. And it uh, definitely, the privilege as a white female that I have makes it easier for me to attain money. Um, you know, according to the world and the laws that are in the world because of the way that it's set up. And, and if we don't recognize that and do our part to help make equal, make money equally available to everyone, then we're not doing our part. <laughs> Absolutely. And then that's the other part is like, you know, my, my mission in my mission is like, let's empower ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, whether you are, uh, you know, you're African American, you're Asian American, you're Caucasian, you're whatever, you know, and as a woman, you're, you know, mm -hmm. most likely you're also getting paid less than traditionally uh, Caucasian men, right? Yes. In American society. So let's figure out ways to empower yourself so you start to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. You start to bring in more money. So then there, the paradigm of power shifts as well. It's so wow. important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could talk to you forever. You have so much good information. Um, and we really appreciate you taking this time. Uh, should we go ahead and wrap yes. things up? Yes, absolutely. Um, um, well, yes, we love to end every episode with asking two very important questions. Um, the first question being, what is your definition of success? Success to me is an inside job. It's so, so important that we do the inner work so that we can create out, outward changes. And the more that you have a self-worth, which is to me that you know who you are and what you bring to the table, the more that you can actually be successful on, in the outside world. Ooh, I, I love that. Love I needed that today. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Cause that's a tough one. A lot of people, um, the struggle with having that value in themselves. And so I love that that's such an important com component to, to how you view success. I love that. And then we also ask, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? <laughs> um, I knew you were going to ask this question. If I hadn't, if I didn't know you were going to ask this question, all I would have said was freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so great. Um, but because I knew you were going to ask this that, question. That, uh, that is our most, that is our most said word. Yes. <laughs> no I surprise. Yes. Um, but because I, I knew you were going to ask this question, I thought about it even some more. And I would say freedom, energy and values. Wow. I love that. I think that's the first time we've gotten energy yeah. and I love that. Wow. And that's so spot on. I mean, it's everything I believe it's yeah. Wow. Thank you. So where can everyone find you online so that they can follow you and continue getting all of your amazing resources and reach out? So they can find me on my website at uh, katiechenmazara.com, K-A-T-Y-C-H-E-N-M-A-Z-Z-A-R-A.com. Or I am also Katie Chen Mazara on Instagram, Facebook, um, all the socials. Um, 
that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. I do the same thing. I always want to add yeah. more. Like, just <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on. It has been amazing to have you. You've shared so much good information that I know is going to be so helpful to all of our listeners. Um, and you're uh, doing amazing work and definitely follow her on Instagram. She has great posts that um, will really make you stop and think and uh, mm -hmm. just definitely sign up for her email list too. I've been a long time subscriber, so I highly recommend it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, friends, the moment you've all been waiting for, Katie Chen Mazzara has launched her membership course, Financial Freedom for Creatives Club. This is a year long program designed to help you build the habits you need to create the results you want with your money. This program is filled with guest experts, group coaching, live Q&A sessions, and of course, a Facebook community to keep you accountable. You know, we know this time of year is filled with buying gifts for others, but we all know we could be better about investing in ourselves and our future. With this 30-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. And just for our Money Made Easy listeners, she is offering bonuses. You will be admitted into the Money Block group coaching program on January 2nd which is a little bit of what we did in this episode. So you can really dive deep into what your money blocks are and how to best manage those. And you will be also added into her You Can Negotiate Anything mini courses. And last but not least, you'll be able to attend a one-day retreat on January 31st where they will strategize your year's health, wealth, and happiness goals. Now, when you go on to financialfreedomforcreatives.com, do yourself a favor and go to the success stories page. It is truly inspiring to see how many lives have been changed through Katie's coaching. What better time to invest in yourself for 2021? Money habits and money mindset drive your money goals. We believe that this is the perfect place to start on your journey to financial freedom. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have topic requests or questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take a small and actionable step towards your financial goals. If you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. We'll see you next Money Monday.